Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. If somebody wants to do something really good, which is give, then it shouldn't really then be really complicated for them to spend weeks in trying to analyse all this information and go on to do all of their own due diligence at home. Um, so that's really what we're trying to do is is eliminate that extra barrier for people. Um, and that's, I guess, why what we're doing is very unique and different to what's been done in the space. Welcome back to another action-packed episode of Humans of Purpose. First off, a big thanks to our season sponsor, Neon Treehouse, for all their wonderful social media support. Also, thanks to you, our current and former guests, sponsors, supporters, and listeners, as we recently graduated from finalists to gold medal winners at the Global Signal Awards 2023 for the best indie podcast in the world. I'll pop a link in the show notes to my recent post celebrating this massive win for us, you, me, and our community. We've had a fair few inquiries of late about our sponsorship and promotional packages, so I've also linked our updated promotional packages PDF called Hop Deck or Hop Promo Deck in the show notes, along with a form for anyone keen to express interest in partnering with us. My guest today is Kylie Wallace. Kylie is the CEO and Chief Gardener at Seedling Giving. Seedling Giving are your personalized charity matchmaking service and have facilitated over half a million dollars through their smart, reliable and tailored approach since they kicked off quite recently. They've got some great testimonials to date from stars like Zoe Foster-Blake and Tim Costello and are really doing a great job at helping people find and donate to effective charities that match people's values and giving criteria. I loved it recording this one with Kylie. We actually met many years ago whilst I was volunteering at YGAP and uh, recently touched base again because she's linked up with Jess, who was recently on the board with at Simna, uh, which is just fantastic to make that uh, tripartite connection. So a bit of banter about that at the start and then getting into what has really been a tremendous um, service that uh, Jess and Kylie have come together to produce and one that I feel is really much needed at a time like this where it is quite hard to decide amongst the 57,000 charities out there who to donate to and how to do so. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kylie as much as I did. Kylie, thanks for making it down today. How are you going? Great, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. You rocked up and uh, you were very well dressed and then you see this random dude approach you in shorts, uh, a bum bag, etc., you think you're turning around and leaving or? No, I think you've inspired me to go out for a run tonight, actually. Such a good answer. I feel. I think everyone feels great right now, so we can kick off on a good note. Thank well you. Well done. <laughs> um, great to be with you and, and I love to hear about Seedling. I want to hear about the origin story first because I think what's special about this episode is that I know Jess uh, from a previous life, Simna, Social Impact Measurement World. I know you from YGAP many, many years ago, although I wasn't sure if you'd remember me, but you did, which is also very nice. You're very memorable. Oh, stop it. Um, I'm, I'm really fishing for compliments today. I think I need to talk to my therapist about my self-esteem after this. But um, no, it's great to have, it's great when two people from different parts of your former life connect to build something wonderful. So I'm um, I'm thrilled you could be with me today. 
Thank you so much. And on that note, why don't you start by telling me a little bit about your background, uh, your work, why Gaps where we met, but then um, how you met Jess and how Seedling Giving came to be. Yeah, great. Um, So I've been working in the not-for-profit and corporate social responsibility space for the last 13 years, working with really small not-for-profits, run on the love, passion, power of volunteers, up to where I was working most recently, working with World Vision, which is Australia's largest not-for-profit, a whole bunch of different charities um, in between then. I did a little stint working in corporate social responsibility, also known as CSR. I worked for Priceline and um, a really interesting opportunity popped up there where I thought it would be a a great chance to get a bit of a double-edged sword. So sitting on the other side of the fence, sitting at a corporate, um, handing out the money and and then taking all of those great learnings and networks and, um, and, and resources and then really moving that back into my passion space, which is in the not-for-profit sector. Um, largely over the last five years though, I, um, evolved my, my work volunteering with YGAP, um, into, uh, an incredible paid role. I was working as the campaign manager for Polished Man, um, that, um, some people may have seen before. It's a campaign during the month of October. It's actually, um, on at the moment and where people paint a nail and it's all around ending violence against children. So, um, an amazing grassroots movement that I took from an idea and, and it was grew- your idea oh well no I it was certainly not my idea um if we I can share a little bit more about the no, background just, just of claim it, it. But- just go with it it was a great idea Kylie I, I, it was, it was an idea that came from Elliot Costello, our, our CEO, <laughs> who you also know um, fondly as well. Classic, just push it up to the CEO. Um, it, was, so, it was, so, but he had nothing to do with it, yeah. and it was all me. No, it was, um, it was an experience that he had traveling with one of our, our project partners over in Cambodia, mm. where he met a young girl who'd escaped a severe human rights abuse. And a long story short, is, um, she painted in all of his nails, and, um, Elliot went on to learn about her story. And it was a really, really tragic story um, where she'd escaped a really severe human rights abuse. And um, and Elliot was so moved by her her story that he went on to paint a nail. And um, and that was the, where the Polish Man campaign was born. And I um, went on to run that campaign for over four and a half years. Um, we raised over $5 million and we got some um, great celebrities on board, the Hemsworth brothers and Zac Efron and Kelly Slater and um, a whole bunch of other great guys. Wow, so, it's a lot of good-looking men. So it was a tough job mm. um, going around and, and painting nails of all of these wonderful, handsome, um, brilliant men. Yeah. So and the prime minister as well, I hear. And yes, and we got the we got the prime minister on board as well, which was which was a good grab because um, also um, a lot of people like Elliot and and Pat from like actually didn't really know who half the celebrities were that I was getting on board. So when I got the prime minister on the board, they said, "Oh yes, we've heard of they him." They didn't so. know about the the Hemsworth brothers. How dare they? I know. How rude. Oh, so might have to have a chat to Elliot uh, post-reporting <laughs> about that. So it was, um, it was a wonderful campaign to be a part of and, um, and, and tens of thousands of, of people um, all around the world who painted a nail and, and signed up and it was um, a really brilliant way to be able to get that conversation started and get people um, fundraising and, and really feeling like they can be part of a, a brilliant movement. So that's really um, 
yeah, I guess where sort of my background comes in, it's it's all been around fundraising and and marketing, um, and yeah, the idea of seedling and and the connection with Jess all came about um, in 2021. It was actually after everything was unfolding in Afghanistan and when the Taliban had taken control of Kabul and we were seeing these really harrowing images on our on our TV screens and um, I had friends and family reaching out to me saying, um, who should I who should I give to? I want to do something to be able to help. Yes. And um, and so This was a time of great confusion where people were sort of Whenever there's a crisis response or something happening, it's, it's what do I do and who do I give to, and it's this sort of mass confusion, right? That's exactly right, and I think you feel this this weight on your heart, going, I feel so far away, and I I, I want to be able to do something to help. Um, and then when you jump onto old mate Google, you go, who do I give to? You're just flooded with overwhelming search results. Often who's paying the most for the SEO optimization, probably in most cases, or the sponsorship money. That's exactly right. And a lot more people now are clued on to that yep. knowing of going, it's not actually based on the first results on page one are the best results or the best charities to be able to put forward. And so then people just go, I don't even know who I should give to. And so they reach out to friends and family or people in the sector, um, maybe like myself and 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 to be honest, I didn't know who people should be giving to. So I started doing my own desktop research and it was then I stumbled across this website that was founded by my now co-founder called The Good Cause Co. Yep. And basically what they did was they had um, a list of high-performing charities in Australia. They also had these really great resources around how to spot high-performing charities and they did a little bit of philanthropic advisory as well. And I was like, wow, this is such a, a brilliant um, service and something that I think Australians so desperately need. Um, unfortunately, when I got to their website and started reading further down the page, I realised that uh, the founder, Jess Bowman, she um, put a statement saying, I've had to close this website down um, because ultimately I haven't been able to commercialise this model. Yep. And um, long story short is I um, then reached out to her and I said, I love what you're doing. I love the premise that um, you're trying to put forward to the Australian public, helping them to give, helping them to find high-performing charities to give to. Um, I have an idea around how we can do this and do it at scale. And that's my, this was my idea of seedling giving. And, um, and two weeks later, um, she got back to me. She said, I'd closed all of this down a couple of months earlier, but I'd love to hear about it. And after, um, yeah, hanging out for a couple of months and, and chatting. Um, she just loved the concept and um, we're now 50-50 uh, co-founders in our exciting social enterprise. How'd you come up with Seedling? Um, so I guess the, the concept of Seedling comes from my experience working in the not-for-profit sector and seeing this really big problem. And that's there are now almost 60,000 charities for people to choose from. Yep. And nobody knows who to trust, which ones are high-performing, or where does your money even does, end up going? What does high-performing even mean? Exactly. And people don't not only feel like they have the expertise, but they don't know who to go to to try and get some support and guidance around yep. that. 
And especially when people are thinking about placing a larger gift, that comes with a greater sense of responsibility. Oh, yeah. And, you know, even even if it's a $500 gift, that's still a lot of money for people. You don't want to just give that to anyone. Or, you know, a lot of people as well um, tell us, they go, those big charities, like, I don't want to just give to the big charities because I feel like my donation is a bit of a drop in the ocean. I'd like to try and find some of these smaller to medium-sized grassroots charities, but how do you find them? How do you know who to trust? So this has been a problem that I've seen and I've heard people telling me. And I think ultimately what that leads to is people either just give to big charities because they feel like they're the most trustworthy or they don't give at all. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like is the the biggest missed opportunity. Yes. Because giving brings so much purpose and meaning into our lives and I get no greater joy and pleasure than giving other people the opportunity to feel as good as I feel every day. And giving is such an incredible way to be able to do that. So that being able to unlock people in giving not only creates incredible impacts in terms of the social and environmental impacts that can come about from giving, but also the personal side of giving and how much joy it can bring to our own lives as well. So that's what really excites me about um, what we're doing and I guess seeing this problem and um, and then being able to ultimately create a really powerful solution and something that, um, yeah, I think has the ability to create a really profound impact on lots of people's lives. And so I suppose we've got a bit of a land of the giants situation where mm. just like, you know, it makes me think of the tech monopolies over in the US where you've got, you know, the, the big five, you know, Tesla, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, NVIDIA, yes. and always yes. forget the last one, yes. Apple, because uh, <laughs> I'm not an Apple guy, but anyway, forget about that. Samsung. Um, yeah, yeah, Samsung, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then sort of, you know, outside of the maybe the uh, – the the uh, the Nasdaq or whatever like mm. that majority share in that space right and then mm. you sort of forget about everyone else from an investing standpoint so maybe it's sort of similar to how with charities if somebody wants to give towards a general mission purpose or global tragedy of some sort of course World Vision will be onto it first or a similar site Oxfam or one of the one of the bigger charities and then of course they get bigger and bigger more of the funding goes there everyone sort of maybe it's an easy option to just go for the bigger one because they've got the best marketing, the best PR, and maybe the the best system set up to de- deploy that capital, questionable on that last point. But then you've got this whole missing middle. And, and as you said, there are 60,000 charities or thereabouts. And then, you know, what, what does it mean for the viability of the charitable sector if mm. everyone just goes for the big mm. kind of handful? Well, Really interestingly, it's very similar. So we know that in the charity space, 0.4% of the top 0.4% of charities in Australia get 50% of the funding. Mm, So it is absolutely, you know, this tiny, tiny few who are the massive players, these, these real big players in the market. And what I've seen working in a in a spectrum of organizations is this amazing power and innovation that comes from more of the grassroots style charities. Yep. The, and ultimately for us, as what we're doing as a, as a charity matching service, we can help people place gifts in any which way that they want. 
What we're hearing from a lot of people is they're wanting to find more of these grassroots charities that they can get really close to. Why is, what's, what's with that? I mean, t- talk to me about the idea of closeness and grassroots. Yeah, I think um, with these big organisations, people have just got no idea how their donation or how they can actually make that much of an impact. Yep. I think with the smaller organisations, they they – I guess, are really set up differently that you can get really close to the work. They also are more likely to specialise in a niche. So you can really see the change that is actually taking place at the organisation as well. When you think about organisations that are also doing so much, it it is so hard for you to really be able to see and understand that kind of impact. Um, and but this is interesting, though, because, mm. you know, the bigger organisations should technically have more resourcing to be more transparent, mm. have more elaborated theories of change and mm. maybe better evaluative frameworks to mm. show the, the impact, right? Yes. So it, it should, in a way, be easier and make you feel better to donate to a big charity, but that's not what we're seeing in terms of what people want or necessarily even the transparency, right? It's it's so true. And I think one of the things that I can put my finger on would be the passion of the people that are there. When I think about my time at YGAP, a lot about our success in terms of our growth, the kind of impact we would be able to make, and the kind of people that we were able to bring into our circle was really based on this core of a group of people who were incredibly passionate and driven. And we were really clear on what we wanted in terms of our mission. And I think as you grow, it's it's hard. Things become more professionalized and they the the people maybe also sort of change as as the sort of the structure of the organization starts to change as well and evolve. So I think you do get a lot more as well of um sort of career drift. So yes. you get your management consultants or your, your top kind of investment bankers and executives yes. actually coming across to the bigger global not-for-profits. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not sure if you know that, but, you yes. know, like in the top echelons of big global charities, they're dominated by, you know, these these uh, former management consultant types rather than people who have sort of grown up through the sector. Yes, I think. Um, and that's part of that professionalisation, I think. Definitely. And there's and a lot of those people add incredible and immense value to the not-for-profits, I think the um, the nature of some more of the smaller not-for-profits that are really um, sometimes even started just by groups of volunteers, the nature and the essence of who they are, why they started, and that burning passion piece is there from day one. Yep. Um, the larger organisations, it's different, and I think sometimes it's people who have been through the corporate world and then now they're looking for ways to be able to give back. Um, and Which we do encourage and we think is great maybe, but it's also just to say that there's different motivations and maybe yeah. different flickering of the flame. Yes, exactly, exactly. And so, um, but yeah, it's, it's you know, whatever journey that people go on in terms of, um, yeah, being involved in small organisations or large organisations, it's, um, yeah, great to be able to dip your toe in and, yeah, get involved. What are the key things a, a typical um, giver or person who wants to make a donation, just say 
Mike's coming to Seedling and just doesn't know what he's doing and just smashes random things into Google and hopes he gets a great answer and doesn't. You know, what are the kinds of things I want to know when I'm picking a charity that that matter? Mm, so, what are you hearing from your end anyway? Yeah. So, with um, the way that we've structured our our service is people jump onto our website and they complete a questionnaire. This is a really wonderful opportunity for people to stop and pause and actually think about things that they're passionate about or interested in. Sometimes people have got lots of different interest areas or they don't necessarily feel like there's one key thing or you know, these the values as well change as people's lives evolve and they have kids or they have um, different life experiences. Um, and so this is a really great opportunity for, for, for people to be able to stop and think about the kind of impact. So, you know, down to not only sort of the cause areas, but then thinking about do they want to support locally or overseas? And when you think locally, is it within this state or was it, is it within your local area? The kind of impact that you want to make, are you thinking what's, what are you more inspired by, breadth or depth? Do you want to reach lots of people or are you more being able to maybe reach fewer people but have a longer-term impact? Yes, yeah. There's There's lots of different ways that we can try to – unlock and make people start thinking about the kind of impact that they'd like to be able to make. And this is a really great sort of first step and journey for people to think about it. And then from there, we work through the universe of 60,000 charities and we conduct a- Do you go through all of them with each person? (gasps) <gasps> that would take a it's a long, long consultation. Time. It takes like five years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, hopefully then the donation might go up over that five-year period. Here's a spreadsheet. There's 60,000 <laughs> Excel rows and just tick the ones you like. Yep. It's it, we have we have a process that at least helps us to <laughs> to shortlist that down a little yep, bit quicker. Yep, yep. But so we we then help to try and shortlist that down and then begin a filtering exercise Mm -hmm. to be able to try and find those organizations that are highest performing in the area that you want to be able to give to. Um, And then from there, we present the options and help people to place their gift and also look at doing ongoing monitoring and impact updates so people know where the money's been going and how it's been making And so you do that? We do that as well. That's great. So it's a real sort of end-to-end journey for people mm. um, and really helping to make giving easier and safer. And maybe be more transparent too. I mean, that's that's a very novel idea. So taking on that responsibility instead of the charity having to do all that work. Definitely. So we work in terms of the impact updates, we work hand in glove with the charity, being able to understand what's been happening with them over the last six months. Also, if they're having new impact updates themselves or or annual reports, we'll be reviewing those as well to ensure that the organisation continues to be really high performing. So what we're really trying to also do in this journey is give people a world-class giving experience because so many people have been burnt in their giving experience. Sometimes, you know, we hear all the time people say, oh, I gave and then I didn't even get a tax deductible receipt. Yes. I tried to call this charity and then nobody even got back yep. to me. I was interested in maybe volunteering first of all before I'd give and then I didn't really know how. And it's everybody has their own story with or I jumped onto Google and I didn't know really who to choose that was doing work, you know, within this area. So – 
what we're really trying to do is help curate that so everyone has a great experience. And if everyone has a great experience, then it's going to help with rebuilding this big issue of trust in yeah. the sector as well. Yeah. And, and how do you reconcile all of this and the great work that you're doing with the cost of living crisis that everyone's experiencing as well? So I think one of the big challenges for the sector, and I think certainly the profits are feeling are um, donations have almost halved across the board in the past year. So what's consumer sentiment like? Because obviously um, they're still it's still so important that people can keep giving where they, where they mm. have that opportunity? Yeah. So so what we're seeing is there are fewer people giving, but those who are giving are actually giving more. Oh, wow. So so that's it's, it's interesting, but it's also um, it is worrying because there are more people walking away from giving. Yep. There's also less people volunteering. We're seeing people less connected within the community. Um, so that's not a trend that we want to no. see continuing. Bad, bad of humanity. I mean, we, we know very well that social connection, a connection to giving, altruism, volunteering, and a sense of community in place is vital for people's well-being. Completely. And and charity is such an important pillar in our society for people to be able to do that and to connect. Um, So what we are seeing, it is obviously being impacted by the challenges that everyone's feeling the pinch on. We, We know that giving is one of the first things that people do cut insurance and their charitable giving. Um, so, you know, for people who aren't able to, to give at the moment, thinking about exploring ways of, of being able to lend a hand within their community, help out in other small ways is a great way just to, to be able to, to be able to do something. And then as, and when, you know, it doesn't need to be a lot as well. You know, what, um, we're really excited about looking forward to the future with Seedling next year. We're going to be able to expand our offering to people who have smaller gifts um, because that's really the area that we want to be able to try and encourage people yep. is even if, even if it's a small gift, it's about continuing those little daily or the yearly habits. If it's, if it's um, a monthly gift for you or whether it's at tax time making a, a small gift is just doing, even if this year it's like all you can do is $50. It's like being able to keep that in your your rituals and in your habits, even if it's a small amount, great. If it's not money at the moment and it's volunteering, great. And I think it's about being able to continue that because what we see as well is when the giving stops or the volunteering stops. It's very hard to get it back. Yeah. Um, I think people should take a good hard look at their discretionary expenditure expenditure every month on luxury things. <laughs> like if you tally up all your subscription TV services and then think, oh, maybe if I could give a fifth or a sixth of that or just cut Kai or one of these sort of schlepper services and give that to charity instead, that would be a pretty good outcome. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, thirty-five would, bucks a month yeah, just right be, there. That would be a lot of money. I know. We, I think it's probably a good reminder. No for offense, Kyo. I didn't mean to single you out there, but you know, <laughs> just the amount people spend on stuff that they don't really need. Um, I think there's just you know one in every ten things you do make it a charitable donation instead. Yeah, and look, I hope that with like I, I don't blame people for when they go. I don't want to give to charity, and I'm. And does the money even get there? Like, who says that though? Do people actually, does anyone sit there and think that or say, I yes. don't want to give to charity? Yes, we, we hear it. And even 
even last weekend I heard it as well. Somebody who was giving quite generously to charity had a really bad experience and said they'll never give again. And it's not it's not Qantas, like I know, you know, and that's one person has a bad experience with a charity and it can do such damage to yeah. to um everybody else trying to do the right thing. And um and I think giving it can be hard and there are barriers and the media jumps onto a bad story about charities and then Well, I just think it's I mean it's so ridiculous cuz you, you hear a couple of times a year charities are in the news, but newspapers have to run stories. Mm. And like the if you had if you had to compare the amount of stories that run on, on charities versus the rest of the sector, mm. all the other sectors combined, it must be like that 0.14% stat you gave earlier. Mm. Um and it's only, you know, a handful of charities. So I don't know. I, I feel like if you're putting your money anywhere compared to some of the things that have happened over the past few years, charities are a pretty safe bet. Yes. Yeah. And I think, yeah, people um yeah, have to sort of trust that. Yeah, the, the most most charities are, are are doing their best, um, and that's what people have been trying to do. And I hope that with what we've developed with Seedling, will help people give the confidence to not just give a little bit to anyone, but when they are able to be able to commit to some giving, um, that they can do that most effectively through places like us. Do you think that obviously your primary market, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm. your primary market would be people who are already thinking about giving to charity or already giving to charity? At the moment, it would be yes. So the the long and short of it is eventually we want to try and um, unlock this big part of the market of people who currently don't give. That, that's what I was thinking. So that was going to be my lead in would be that yes. presumably the the next part of the bell curve is that kind of middle uh, of the distribution of those people who maybe don't say I don't give to charity or I don't like charity, but maybe yes. they're just unsure about charity. Yes, exactly. So we know it's about 38% of Australians currently give to charity. They give around 0.3% of their annual income. Oh, what a gross statistic. But I, Surely 10%, uh, as Peter Singer recommends, is the right amount. We've got a long way to go to get to that. Our, our target over the next 10 years is to get it to a 1.5%. That'd be nice. So we're, we're, we're trying to 5 exit. Sort of put um, on par with the Medicare levy of uh, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So... You know that's um, that's still it. Still feels like it is a long way to go, um, but it is at the moment. You know, it, it people are finding it are finding it tough. I also do think, Kylie, that if there was better transparency and a better giving experience end to end, people would give more to charity. Uh, I firmly would think that your proposition is a good one. That's what we're hoping, you know, and we that's we're we're working with at the moment with. Being an, a relatively new startup, we're, we're we're working with people who who want to give and want to be able to work out how they can place their money most effectively mm. to get the best outcomes yep. with that donation. The next area that we would look to to target is that middle of the bell curve. It's people who are who are interested in giving, who maybe haven't been giving as much as what they would 
like to be able to give, if they knew what was out there, if they knew what their donation could go on to be able to support or the kind of impact that it could make. And then those people at the end of the bell curve who say, all of the charities are corrupt and my money never gets there. I don't know if I'll ever get to those people. Will you talk but- to them? I mean, what do you say to the people who say, I'm not sure or I don't, I don't give to charity? What's your, honestly, what do you say to those folk? Um, to be honest, I think I channel my energy and my time into the other two quarters. Good answer. T- <laughs> I think those those people have often been really burnt and jaded. I think being able to hear and understand their It's not stories, worth trying to convince them that they're wrong. No. Like, to be honest, I think I'm probably not going to be able to yeah. convince them. So... They need to find their way back. Yeah, and I think that's going to take a really, really long time, and I don't know if I've got the energy for that. Yeah. So maybe eventually, but... Um, Who do you look at as models for this sort of change? Because I know back in the day there were things like Charity Navigator, um, Effective Altruism does some good things, and they've got some good uh, measurement methodologies or ideas and principles for giving. Um, what does What are the other best practice sort of models or... Uh, platforms or uh, current similar projects that you look to? Mm. So some really interesting platforms there that some people have found really, really helpful in their in their giving journey. Um, similar to what Jess did as well with the Good Cause Code, trying to provide people with the information, arm them with the skills and the tools and the resources to be able to find the charities the problem with a lot of these platforms is information overwhelm. Yeah. So they jump on there and, you know, they can see star rating systems on charities or you can search different criteria and you get this big long list of all of these different charities and projects you might be able to support. The challenge is that doesn't necessarily actually convert people into giving. Mm. What we're really trying to do is get people from I'd like to give to opening their wallet. Yep. And that's the hardest thing. Nobody has been able to do what we've done and create it into a a commercial social enterprise that is going to be able to get more money into the charity sector. So those kind of things, it might work for, for some people, um, but what we are finding and what we've seen with with seedling so far is it's all about making things easy. Yep. And this is one of the things that um, I saw and experienced with Polish Man, whether it was from um, getting a really big ambassador on board, getting um, someone like Grilled on board, one of our one of our corporate partners. If we wanted them to be able to unlock nine days of free grill burgers or open up amazing donations to us. I needed to make that really, really easy for them. And the same thing that happens with the giving space. If somebody wants to do something really good, which is give, then it shouldn't really then be really complicated for them to spend weeks in trying to analyze all this information and go on to do all of their own due diligence at home. Um, so that's really what we're trying to do is is eliminate that extra barrier for people um, and that's, I guess, why what we're doing is very unique and different to what's been done in the space. Yeah. Before. I mean, I suppose one of the hardest things would be to understand or baseline for informational needs. So, you know, uh, 
Mike over here might have fairly rigorous needs to before he makes a decision, but then maybe um, Jess over there might be happy just with like some real basics. So is it a very individualized approach that you're taking? Exactly. Yeah. So at the moment it's a fully bespoke style service. Because you've got the questionnaire as well. Because we've got the questionnaire. So we do the questionnaire and then we often will meet with people, especially depending on the size of the gift that they'd like to be able to make and the complexities of the kind of area that they want to give to. Some people are very clear, others are not quite sure. Some people want to give to multiple areas as well. So we can custom that whole opportunity for them at so many different stages. Some people want to volunteer, others others don't. They just want to give the donation or some people want to give completely anonymously. Yep. That hasn't been an option before because as well, you know, some people go, I, I, I gave this charity a, um, a $5,000 gift and then they just ended up contacting me and contacting me again and they, you know, asked for for more and more donations. So we have different opportunities like that. We also work with corporates as well. So, you know, another thing with corporates is they're, they're, you know, constantly approached by charities going, can you please help us out or can you please donate product and all that kind of thing. And tying a corporate brand into a charity comes with a level of risk. So if that charity comes out to be fraudulent or the CEO um, is slapped in the news the next week saying that they've been um, found to be doing something fraudulent, that then that's going to reflect really badly on the corporate brand as yep. well. So being able to help sort of risk mitigate in that way as well and helping to look at um, workplace volunteering and different opportunities like that. So it is a very tailored service as well, which um, which people really appreciate and we can, um, yeah, take them take them on that journey to working out what they'd like to do. You know, before we had a funny chat about you being the uh, the matchmakers of this space and then I threw at you like maybe you're the Tinder of um, of uh, matchmaking people and charities and then you said, no, no Tinder's really daggy and I, yeah, I admit it, I'm very out of touch. <laughs> but I've actually thought more about it and I actually think you're more like, if you've ever seen Indian or Jewish matchmaker on Netflix? Yes. Like you're, you're like that That's matchmaker exactly what it is. person who gets the biodata and like does the whole matching process and takes them on that tailored journey. You're not actually like a Bumble or a Tinder or a Fumble or I don't know what these apps are these days. You're you're more like the person who takes them on the individualized journey, the actual matchmaker. That is brilliant. Yeah. I'm definitely going to steal that one from you. I was thinking because I was thinking more like if you were like a a pitching startup, what would be on the first um, line of your deck? Because you know how they always have. We are the the Airbnb of the. <laughs> Ecological conservation space, and it's like what you know. But, um, that is so good. Yeah, I love it. That's yeah. exactly what it is. And Do you feel like that's a, a, a fair punny summation? I love it, and I'm definitely going to steal you that one it? from you. So that's a, it's an I'd be honoured. That's um yeah, that's what we really like to be able to do is. But that's, the, that's the value add, though, right? I mean, the, the personalization um, yes. and not just having to rely on the same dashboard for everyone and the same kind of information. It's everyone that that's that really isn't how it is. I mean, and I, I think that's why it's so hard. I am personally a big fan of the emergence of giving circles, but I could never be in one with any of my friends because we all like it. We all know we have very different levels of knowledge. Mm. We all believe in different things. Mm. Uh, we would, couldn't agree on anything. Mm. Yeah, the, at the giving circles, if you can get in with the right one, you find the right people, and you and the the right cause areas for you. Great. I was in one once actually. And it was 
Um, Yeah, it lasted a year and it was a structured giving service. It was called the Awesome Foundation. Oh, yes. Have you heard of them? I've heard of them, yes. They were pretty awesome. Not not as awesome as like they made it sound, um, but it was okay. Um, And we would get together in a pub and give like a a certain amount each month that you'd commit and then you'd sort of group vote to debate a couple of charities that pitched in and then you'd pull together your money, which is probably like a grand a month, and then you'd decide who was going to get the grant that month. Yeah. And that was good fun. That's um, brilliant. But, you know, that that was like people who, a group of people who didn't know each other coming together and um, doing it that way, which yes. sort of had a nice social aspect to it. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly had challenges. Like if you didn't agree or like you strongly, you just mm. be outvoted completely and just be like, all right, well, just guess I lost that month of mm. you know, money that I threw in and mm. I'm glad everyone else likes the cause. Yeah, it wasn't really quite for you. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's the thing is we – you know, if people can find causes that really speak to their heart mm. and their passions, not only are they going to stick around longer, yep. but they're going to be more invested in 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 learning about that organisation, following their journey and following their updates. Yeah, and like why can't donors also be a, bit, a little bit more like investors? Like, you know, mm. when venture investors or angel investors put money into a startup, right, they don't just write a cheque. They're then there to help you know, they want to see return on that um, and they'll offer to do more, like connections, help, time on tools, advice, mentoring. Mm. Mm. It, wouldn't that be great if people could make a donation and then say, what What more could I help you with? Yeah, and some charities are brilliant at being able to open up those opportunities for yep. donors and other charities are under-resourced and I don't know what to do. Yep. And that's also where... With with our service as well, really trying to help not only bridge that gap, make that connection, but then trying to keep that relationship growing and 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 helping the charity as well. So part of it as well is helping to try and coach them on doing the best job to look after these donors and give them a really great experience yep. too. Um, and expectation management. I mean, it seems like a really basic one, but being able to make sure that. Um, the donor knows what they're going to be able to expect from the journey of of getting involved with a charity and what that could look like and really trying to align that from the start so everybody knows what it's going to look like and then there's a chance to be able to, um, you know, clear up anything from the start rather than setting people off saying, isn't this going to be wonderful? And you're like, oh, gosh, I I haven't felt the love like I thought I was going to for my $100 gift. Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because when you give an amount to charity. I'm not sure what people expect, but I think society and consumerism and sort of the expectations we form as people are very um, unreasonable. Like Mm. if you're giving money to a charity, um, like I kind of think that you just leave it there and like you're happy that you've been able to support them. You you made that intentional choice. Mm. You don't really want them wasting much of their resourcing to tell you how awesome you are. It's, it's a very – that's another really common thing that a lot of our our donors um, say specifically around getting um, printouts in the mail, oh, glossy flyers. I hate, I hate that crap. And you're like, I don't want you to be spending money on all of these I don't things. Want, I don't want the paper wasted either. Like it's just basic stuff. So getting the monthly letter saying, oh, here, thank you again for giving 100 – like I just don't need that crap. Yeah, and I think that's where um, – you know, charities in especially the larger charities, some of them have been a bit more traditional in their way of managing donors 
and probably, I guess, just a little bit less agile in the move to digital and ways to be able to do that um, a lot more uh, cheaply and efficiently. Yeah, and do you know what I want? Like, just invite me to a party once a year where I get to hang out with your organisation, meet some of the staff members um, and maybe get on the tools and help a little bit um, or even twice a year. I mean, yeah. that that would be a real reward, you know? And I think something as simple as just – um, a thank you. If you're going to spend money on anything, yeah. spend spend the time to write a personalised email. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be um, nice. That that comes from the heart. Expressing your not your... ChatGPT either. No. It can't be ChatGPT. No, I'll be able to tell. Oh gosh, yep. there's a lot of people using that now, especially in the charity space. Yeah. Um, but keeping keeping it personal, I think, is 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 so vitally important as well. Um, what yeah. did you learn? You talked about jumping to the other side of the fence. I've always fantasized in a way about what that might be like. What's it like working on the corporate CSR side versus in charities? Um, it was a really interesting um, time and I I got a lot of learnings out of it. For me, I much prefer it on this side of the fence. I think one of the challenges was I was the only person working in a CSR role. So I've gone from working in the charity sector where there's every single person around you is all working towards this greater mission. In CSR roles, everyone else is working towards a collective mission of, for example, selling more products. Um, and that for me, I think, was probably more challenging in terms of the cultural side. Yeah, because the purpose isn't aligned to what you want to be. Like the org purpose is different to your role purpose in a way. Exactly. And I think I get more pleasure out of being able to ask people for money and share that wonderful joy of giving with people than just giving that money away. Um, You you like to ask people for money? I like to ask people for money. There's not many people who would openly admit that. That's incredible. I love it. How did you get into that? Um, I think so many people are looking for ways to be able to give back. So if I can walk into a room, a meeting with someone, whether it's somebody who is an individual just looking to give or a business who's wanting to give back, if I can give them an opportunity to give back, I feel like that's a gift that I can give to someone because so many people are looking for this, but they just don't know where to start. So I find asking for something from somebody really easy because it's something that I can really ultimately share. Yes. And, um, so I can relate to that. I mean, I, I think where, where you're asking for something that's ultimately going to benefit a, a, an important cause and many people, yes. I have no problem asking. I don't yes. feel any shame. Yes. I think that's, that's exactly right. Like when um, I mean, if it was for a different cause, it was um, something that was more selfish, then I think I'd probably find that a lot harder. <laughs> like um, if it was more like, oh, I really want this beautiful jacket, can I have some money? Like you'd probably find it harder to ask for that. No, I would be like, no, I couldn't say that. <laughs> but if it's something for a good cause or if it was um, obviously work with Seedling or one of the charities I'd been working with and I always found it really, um, really easy and yeah. – um, yeah, a real pleasure to be able to do that as well. How has um, doing seedling impacted your own getting practices or preferences? Uh, it's opened up my eyes to 
the impact that can come about from organizations putting money into organizations that are that are really high performing how you can 4x or 5x your donation with an organization that is doing really brilliant work versus maybe an organization that's sort of been around for a long time that's been been doing the same kind of thing that might be one or two xing your donation um is phenomenal um, and I think just opening up your eyes to so many amazing entrepreneurs who have started brilliant charities who are really um, bucking the trend and um, really going out on a limb and, and trying to do things differently. I think, yeah, we get to meet with so many organisations each and every day and love being able to learn about them and, yeah, just continue to think about how with my own donations, how I can do that most effectively with, yeah, whatever money I'm able to to be able to give as well. It's awesome. Yeah. Hey, this has been a great chat. We'll wrap up in a minute. How can people learn a bit more about your work, Seedling, and get in touch and get involved? Yeah, so we we have a great resource on our website around if people are just interested in um, dipping their toe in the water and learning a little bit more about how to spot high-performing charities. We have an ebook on our website. People can go to seedlinggiving.com.au, download that resource and get going. And if they'd like help either individually or with their business, thinking about their giving, um, would be more than happy to be able to help them on their on their giving journey um, and find them some organisations to potentially give to so they can jump onto the website, complete the questionnaire and, um, yeah, we'd be delighted to um, help anyone who's interested to get started. And could people hit you up personally, Kylie? Yeah, definitely. Um, on LinkedIn is the the best place to go, Kylie Wallace on LinkedIn. Yep. And um, we, yeah, we've also got a Facebook page. So, um, yeah, we do a little bit on there as well. Ah, the old Facebook. Superb. It's still there. It's still there. One TikTok? No, no TikTok yet. Come on, mate. Join the revolution. I've been, I've been trying to cut down on a couple of our social pages because, <laughs> I mean, you've got you've got so many different channels. So threads? No, I've, I started it. And then That's I, still a thing, Threads? And then, I, and then I got off and I don't think yeah. I've been back on. So the, the, the Instagrams is the one that most people like, right? Yeah, we, yeah. So we keep it to Instagram. I've got my own personal Instagram, but yeah. we, we're just trying to streamline a few things. So. <laughs> You know, there's always there's always something new, so you're just trying to stay focused really at the moment for us Wonderful. is my challenge. Yes, yeah, <laughs> great being with you, Kylie. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Mike. Yes. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products, or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.